0: welcome into episode 48 of the level flight podcast my name is connor i'm going to be joined by elliot today as well and we were joined today by marat atesh of the athletic make sure you subscribe to the athletic so you don't miss any of marat's articles follow him on twitter at wpg marat and make sure you're doing the same for us at level flight wpg on twitter facebook youtube instagram everywhere hit the follow button make sure you're keeping up and enjoy episode 48
1: this is Danny Julkin and you're listening to a Level Flight Podcast.
2: Five,
0: four. and welcome into episode 48 of the level flight podcast i've got elliot here with me today and we are joined by a very special guest murata tesh he's back his second time on the level flight podcast how are you doing murat hey doing
3: well making it through camp without any major bumps or bruises feeling good how are you guys doing <laughs> we're
0: doing, we're doing good. good we're doing good it's uh busy time for school but we're we're powering through it's a busy time for the jets too lots to talk about um lineup battles are happening up and down the lineup there's injuries there's plenty of storylines um let's just put it that way um yeah so let's let's get right into it i mean the jets played last night against the calgary flames in what was their fifth of six preseason games they lost 5-4 um and I'd say the biggest storyline to come out of that game and just training camp as a whole so far is Vili Hanala. Um, he opened the scoring last night. Um, I didn't watch the game, but on the hockey stat cards, that they do a great job. We used their stuff last week. He was up there with the analytics again. Um, he was for the last couple of games he's played. Murat, what are your thoughts on Vili so far in camp? I mean, what what has he done so far to prove that he's earned a spot?
3: I can start with last night and the goal that he scored. um, That's going to catch a lot of highlight reels. It's going to endear him to the fan base for sure. It was an example of him using one of the clubs that he has in his bag that a lot of the other bubble defensemen wouldn't be able to say. And that's um, he timed to jump up into the play perfectly for Cole Perfetti to find a a backhand pass, which was quite the pass, I got to say, as well um, to Hainala kind of flying up. Just about the right wing uh, lane, right about the center dots, I think, or the right wing dot, I think, and just the shot that he released um, was was quite impressive. And you're not going to see that play from a Logan Stanley, or you're going to see it sometimes. Is at the AHL for sure from Declan Chisholm. So I don't want to say that he can't can't do that. Um, Kyle Capobianco is more of a steady Eddie type of a, a figure as well. So it was a nice bit of him playing to his strengths. Um the rest of the game was not something to write home about for most of the Winnipeg Jets in their defensive zone. and um you know, I think it was the first three Calgary goals. Somebody was behind their man in terms of a box out. Often I think it was the center actually in each in each case. Um, and in just a just a quick looking at some of those clicks, um when Hanneeb was on the ice for for those or for other chances against, he largely did have position or, um or just to like a stick on stick or a stick on puck situation um in some of the scenarios that other guys were getting beat in um of course the hanala stanley pair didn't play against the same kind of competition and it's important to know that calgary played their full roster essentially uh as well so it was a good night offensively. It was a night where he ends up in, in the positive in terms of shot attempt statistics and all that sort of stuff at the end of the night too. And by eye, it looked like he deserved to be there. And I think that that's been the most consistent trend for Hinole's camp.
1: Yeah, speaking of that, Rick Bonus had said in a presser that he, the spot is there for him, essentially, if he wants to take it. Do you think that's the case? Or do you just think the whole waiver's he's exempt sort of situation is still kind of the way it's going to go. You know, I,
3: I'm, I'm beginning to wonder, I'm beginning to wonder. I, I head into camp thinking to myself, no way, no how the The player doesn't have a chance. There are too many players ahead of him on last year's death chart. There's too many players who would need waivers and um, the easiest play by far would be to send him down. Especially if you're looking at sort of what Winnipeg is traditionally asked a seventh or eighth defenseman to do. And that's, hang out in the press box for a while, rotate in, play the most consistent and uh, boring in a good way game that you could ask for, and then go back to that press box. And that doesn't sound like, you know, the ideal situation for Billy Hanela. Um, but to, to watch some of his other competition in camp so far, I mean, um, Chisholm in and out in terms of consistency, bumps, bruises, uh, and all of that sort of thing. Nate Schmidt, um, his roster spot is assured, but he's, uh, he's been uh, dealing with injury as well. Logan Stanley has been out of position and his puck movement hasn't really sung to his his strength, which can be with the puck a lot of the time. Um, and if you're if you're going based on merit, based on the sample size that is this camp and you're not looking at other years or other days, uh, Ville deserves to be on the team. And the fact that he played last night and played well last night, he's making it awfully hard. Like they, I think that based on the evidence bonus would have to go back to him on thursday um and give him one more chance to cut himself so to speak because that would be a tough game um to to send a send a kid back to the moose out of in in my opinion he's been playing well and deserves even a longer look
0: yeah i mean there's also the fact that he could be sent down and then if there were to be an injury in that top six group he's the first one up and goes immediately in the lineup um that could be a play as well, because like you said, the seventh and eighth defensemen, they rotate in sometimes. Last year we saw Sandberg rotate with um, Stanley for when Stanley was healthy. We saw Capabianco get into like a handful of games. I think he played 10 or so. Um, so Ville Heinola playing 10 games next year. I don't know if that's like the line, if you're, if you're setting an over under on that, but um I, I, the scenario I see most likely is he still gets sent down even though he had an incredible camp? But there's kind of a a wink, wink if there's you, you're the seventh defenseman kind of thing, um, and they would call him up. W- am I way off base with that line of thinking? That even though like he, he they're going to make the easy decision, they're going to send him down. Um, but if someone were to get hurt in that top six, Vili would be the guy to step in. I mean, I think that
3: it's it's really sensible what you're saying. I think it really is. Uh, Hanel is not your ideal seven or eight. And if, if everybody's healthy in that top six, um, there's really not a long enough term case that he's outperformed them So you not you're not going to cut a veteran on a team that is a win now team. And even the guys that have struggled at camp, like I saw Twitter go wild over, you know, Brendan Dillon and Neil Pionk last night, but there were times down the stretch last year, especially when Pionk sort of had a, a little bit of a Renaissance for about, you know, 10, 15 games there where Winnipeg needed those guys in in, in leverage moments. And they largely came through with some foibles as well. You know, bonus isn't going to go, oh, hey, in these two weeks of hockey that the standings don't count, we're going to cut one of them for this player. That's like, it's not how this is going to work. Um, So I think assuming everybody is healthy in last year's top six, there's no case to to promote Hainala over one of them. And then it's, what do you think is the best thing to do? And Connor, I think what you're saying is, is probably the most sensible um, play because you want the guy to play as much as he can.
0: And then there's, there's the case of losing players to waivers, right? If Billy starts up, then you've got to send two players down and some of them might get claimed. We saw Jansen Harkins get claimed by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, What were your sort of initial thoughts? He had two goals for the Jets in the preseason Um, Had some costly turnovers, some inconsistencies here and there. Um, What are your initial thoughts on him getting a fresh start uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins? I think Jansen Harkins could use a fresh start.
3: I think that he's a player who is at times a lot more dynamic than you'd expect for a fourth line bubble type player. Uh, You see it in the AHL where he's brimming with confidence. They can't handle his speed down there. His offensive instincts get to shine. When he's been in the NHL with confidence, he's more than just an energy guy. He can get the puck on his stick and have a plan for what to do with it. And you, like, that could create offense. And you never saw that from guys like, you know, a Lane And last year. It was fairly, you know, uh, boilerplate type play. And it was safe for sure. Um, Jansen Harkins without confidence. Jansen Harkins when he's been in and out of the lineup. Jansen Harkins after he's made a mistake and has heard about it is chaos. Um, there are, are those giveaways. And there's um, there are plays where he looks like he's caught between ideas. Hey, coach told me to dump it, but I've got way too much time and space. And then he freezes. Um, there there are types of situations like that where um, I, think, I, I think some of the mental side of the game almost lets him down. And it's not an inability to read the ice so much as what looks like on-ice anxiety to me. And I um i think that the best thing for him is a coach who's going to give him a lot of time is going to give him a lot of belief a lot of support and is going to encourage him to make some of those offensive plays that he can make i think that some of the chaos will come out of his game the more comfortable that he feels and the more safe that he feels in the nhl i don't know that so pittsburgh is taking a little bit of a risk And, uh, you know, I I hope uh, for Jansen Harkin's sake, he was a great guy to deal with in and around here. Hope that he makes the most of it and uh, everything goes well for him.
1: Yeah, so we'll talk about the 13th forward battle right now. We'll get to David Gustafson in a second. But what are your thoughts recently on Parker Ford just last night and his camp overall? Yeah, he's
3: impressed. He really has the... First time that he makes my notebook is uh, I think day two of camp, and he outmuscled Logan Stanley in the slot, and I was like, "Wow, okay, that size discrepancy is quite a lot. How did that work?" Um, and then, of course, you know, he plays that game where he impresses and gets a power play time. He scores. Uh, he scores on the five on three. Everybody's saying nice things about him. He gets into another game, and um, his his energy level is still there. I think if you look at the on-ice metrics too, he was one of Winnipeg's few players to be above fifty percent in terms of shot attempts and all of those sorts of things last night. I mean, that may speak a little bit to, to fourth-line role as well. Um, but uh, but he's giving himself a shot. He's given Rick Bonus something to look at. The the motor on him doesn't quit. He's got the energy level. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm impressed he scored four points in eight games for the Moose last year, and I'm impressed that he's created some offense for Winnipeg now because I don't think he was looked at as a primary offensive threat in college either, so hopefully that lasts for him. Um, the I don't know that he makes my Winnipeg Jets, to be clear, but I am very impressed with what, what I've seen with him uh, throughout camp.
0: Yeah, and his main competition would be David Gustafson, who scored the two goals last night. Um, one of them from Parker Ford was a nice low to high pass in the slot. Um, what have you seen from Gustafson throughout camp? And would you, you, you just kind of alluded to it. You, would you consider him the leader, quote unquote, to be the 13th forward?
3: Yeah, I do consider Gustafson the, you know, the most likely 13th forward. Again, assuming everybody's healthy on roster day. Right. right. Um, and, you know, last night I was impressed by Dominic Toninato's goal. And I thought to myself, you know, I've really liked, how hard he's worked throughout camp. I like that. I think he's 29. So um, there's been like a consistency. He hasn't really had bad days. What you get from Dominic Toninato is what you get. And I thought to myself, well, geez, he could be a really ideal first call up. Then he kept scoring last night. He scored again. I, th- I mean, it was his second goal. So he scored again. Um, and I thought to myself, well, geez, you know, David Gustafson's actually got to step up here. Um, and then he scored two goals. And even on that nice play with Ford there, I think you go back to the defensive zone and David Gustafson broke up a play uh, and put it on Villa Hanale's stick, And I think that's how they turned things going the other way. Um, so I've, I've I've had it pointed out to me by people who know that Gustafson's details have been very, very good. Um, and so even if I caught a practice or two where I thought he looked vanilla to me, I think he's the guy. I think that he's um, asked Rick bonus about him the other day as well. And, He said, well, last year he killed penalties. He was versatile. He took faceoffs when we got him into the lineup sometimes. He played left wing. And we're going to give him that sort of role again this year. And if you take him at his literal face value, I mean, that's a spot. That's a job that he has.
0: Yeah, and I was there for the bonus presser where you asked and he answered about how the 13th forward, you know, you need to know what you're getting out of that guy when you put him in the lineup. That, to me, screams David Gustafson, Dominic Toninato, um, not a Jansen Harkins who was sent down um, and claimed by the Penguins. Obviously, Parker Ford is inching into that category. For me, I mean, like he's he's the Brandon Tenev comparisons are way too uh, they're they're flowing on Twitter. A lot of people are saying that. the Providence College. It's just it's just what it is. Um, but the high motor, um, he's got a sneaky good shot. Uh, I think if a bottom six winger were to go down, he would be the one that would I, I, I guess be the first call up. I don't know if he fits the top six mold. But the bottom six, I think he's got that. But I agree with what you're saying there about Gustafson. I think the consistency and the ability to step in at, at fourth line center, he played it a bunch last year. And he's not going to score a bunch, um, but he's going to kill penalties. He's going to win faceoffs, which we know Rick Bonus loves with Kevin Stenlin last year. Um, Kevin Stenlin last year started on the moose. Uh, could, could David Gustafson kind of be this year's Kevin Stenlin where? Bonus relies on him uh, to just win faceoffs in his own zone um, and just in in weird situations here and there throughout the game.
3: I mean, quite possibly. And um, I checked after the second period. I think Cole Perfetti was seven of fourteen on the draw. Oh, he finished <laughs> eight of eighteen, so below you know below fifty percent in that case. Um, Mark Scheifele is you know traditionally around fifty percent. He doesn't necessarily win a more like. And Adam Lowry is the only one you can you can count on for a fact to to kind of win more than he loses. And you know that it's important to Rick Bonus. You know, you know that face-offs matter. You you named him. Kevin Stenlin's job was based on his ability to win those draws. And um, that could be what makes David Gustafson just impossible to get rid of for bonus this year. A lot of the stuff at the edge of the roster, guys, like. This is a this is a theory that I, I haven't articulated in writing so you know that's on me but um, you ever remember you know whether it was Barack Obama or uh, was it Zuckerberg as well where they were known for wearing the same outfit every single day that I think that both of those guys did that like Obama had the same suit Zuckerberg had the same collection of hoodies and they were like why are you doing that why do you wear the same thing every day and for a little while. This idea of the cost of decision making was like in the zeitgeist, and how you know you can only make so many decisions in a day before your brain is fatigued and you start making less and less reliable ones. So they were trying to to, to really simplify. And why I'm why I'm talking about this stuff is that I think for NHL head coaches, by the time that you get to the fourth line, the thirteenth forward, the sixth, seventh, eighth D they've made all the decisions that they have the capacity to make they've, you know, they've arranged systems, they've talked to the star, they've ar- figured out, you know, with the, with their assistant coaches, what the special teams, are going to look like they've configured their lines and their matchups. They just want to set it and forget it type player. I think a lot of the time uh, around the edges of the roster and that's why to my mind, Jansen Harkins wasn't ever, ever able to, to catch on. Cause he wasn't that for them. Like he would have those confident spells where it's great. And sometimes definitely not as well. I think Gustafson is closer to a set it and forget it player. I think Parker Ford is like you said, he's inching his way there. I think that players, especially that edge of the roster, it's partly what you can do to impress your coach, you know, maybe above sometimes what the results are on the ice. And I think that Parker Ford has impressed his coach quite a bit I could see him going down to the moose and I can see him being the guy that they think, well, okay, you know, we know what energy level we're going to get from him. Let's bring him up.
2: We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away with an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY or 467-369. In Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-QUADRUPLE-7 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21+ plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources uh, are there for your availability uh, bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply
1: yeah um so we talked already a little bit about We'll kind of switch gears here. Um, We talked about Schmidt missing some time. We talked about Villy. We haven't really talked about Ehlers being out, but surprise, he's out. Um, And we've seen that there's been a bunch of guys getting sick. You can name Cal Connor, Gabe Velarde. Kobe Barlow is another name. He didn't even get a chance to play at all here in the preseason. Um, So obviously every team wants to start the year at 100%. But for a team like the Jets who are on the bubble kind of in and around the playoff picture this year, how important is it for them to get everybody healthy or as healthy as they can be to get a good start for the year? Well, their B squad
3: got pushed around by Calgary. You know, the 5-4 scoreline flatters certain elements of the play, and Winnipeg's defensive zone was often a mess last night. So they need the A squad. They really do. (laughs) Um, And for a team that, like, in the overall storyline of the team where they had that phenomenal start, despite all the injuries last year, and then they bordered upon a historic collapse before reclaiming that playoff spot. Um, it is so crucial that they start well and can start with the storyline that they feel proud of. And um, I think that that matters a lot to Rick Bonus. There's been like a calm intensity uh, about the little things with him, I think, at camp. Uh, I think the players need it too. So, you know, to, their, to the Jets... I was going to say credit. That's not exactly the word. At least they have going for them this idea that their first NHL game in the regular season is a solid week after you know their final um, exhibition game, if I've got that right. They have time for those bumps and bruises to heal. A guy like Schmidt can get back to, to health. I think he's ditching the non-contact tomorrow um, if he hasn't already. And um, they can cement their pairings they can ideally get Nikolai Ehlers back as well. I think he's close, but I think that he's just gone through the ringer so much with um, like neck spasms must be the most frustrating, most yeah. annoying, like, yeah. you know, and I wonder like, you know, Blake Wheeler blocked a shot and finished a game with a ruptured testicle. He didn't know that he had a ruptured testicle at the time, but like this is the standard of, I mean, Blake Wheeler even in the NHL would be a 0.01% type of guy when it comes to those things, cracked ribs, all of that sort of stuff. But you can at least say that was a shot block. And, you know, the culture will say he was doing it for the team. In this case, you know, Nick is making sure that he's going to be healthy which he has to do he has to do that because he can contribute to the team so much when he is but he doesn't get to say oh you know i hurt myself while blocking a shot while taking away a scoring chance it happened in the gym it's neck spasms there's nothing hockey culture romantic about that injury it's kind of like like you're hurt again you know and (laughs) i i think i think that like, I don't know if if I'm just over interpreting Rick Bonus's tone, but sometimes he sounds frustrated. Like, oh, yeah, Nick hasn't gotten in the lineup yet. Yeah, we're waiting for him, you know. Like, <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, I, all the long winded way of saying I think the best thing that could happen would be that he would, you know, heal and play in, in, in game one and, and go from there because he's got the dynamic skill to make an impact early. You saw it when he came back from his surgery last year, he was dynamic in those first few games right off the hop he's a helpful helpful player but i think that would go a long way to to helping winnipeg
0: yeah and you mentioned it there i mean i've seen a lot of fans on twitter saying how oh ehlers is hurt again oh surprise surprise or whatever and then it's this a neck spasms injury can't be more frustrating for anyone more than nikolai ehlers like that is that's just it's got to be so awful and he he might be healthy for game one um, bonus that he's doubtful for the last preseason game there but I we talked about how crucial health is um, how crucial do you think it is that they've missed out on all this chemistry building throughout training camp because you've got Velarde on the top line um, that whole top line has had an illness at some point uh, Ehlers has been out he hasn't even really skated he shed the non-contact jersey for that one practice and now he's like doubtful for Thursday so We don't really know about that. Um, Cole Perfetti had a comment. You know, it's like you only get a certain amount of rushes up the ice or you only get a certain amount of reps with these guys. And those reps are crucial, especially since Cole Perfetti has never centered um, a line in the NHL before. And now he's centering Ehlers and Niederreiter. So just the new players being integrated, like I follow Perfetti at center, um, Velarde. How crucial do you think it is that they've missed out on all this chemistry building? And do you think that'll creep in to kind of the first 10-ish games of the season?
3: I'm curious
0: to see, because like there's a good argument to be made that it should creep in, that there might be
3: some timing play that gets missed or um, some situation where one player reads one thing and the other reads another because they haven't had those reps. I mean, there's plenty of logic to that and to hear Cole Perfetti say, you know, that's how he thinks and feels about the situation as well. Um, so yeah, probably there, there's going to be an element to that. And, when that's going on, I sort of look to and and maybe give a lot of value to those players I want to think of as set it and forget it types higher up in the lineup. And for me on that line is Nino Niederreiter. I think that he's at a phenomenal camp. His attention to detail has been excellent. When defensemen get beat, Niederrider's on scene, breaking up the two on one, catching the guy driving the far post. He's winning his battles. He's doing things that help Winnipeg half the puck. Alex, I follow the exact same thing. Um, and I think that um, I think that with these guys, the degree to which those players that just help you have the puck, and I think that I follow and E will be two of the best on that front will will matter a lot. So Profetti and Ealers, if they get together, they'll have one of those guys, um, Shifley, Connor and Velarde, I mean, thank goodness for them, they showed some some high level early chemistry because there are more guys that are dangerous with the puck on their stick than absolute guarantees to get it back. Let's put it that way. Um, and they read off each other really well in the offensive zone. Glad that they had a start. But even after that beautiful spinning pass to, to Kyle Connor, Velarde said they were still learning each other. So, you know, you do want them to get more and more. I'm just, yeah, I, I'm less worried about them in the offensive zone because I think they they think the game so similarly. It's those middle two lines, especially Perfetti's, and I think it's just going to behoove the, the the hard workers on that line to, to work extra just to make sure that, um, when things do go wrong, that somebody's back and, and doing all the right things.
1: We've talked a little bit about the lines and we saw how Rick Bonus has created the groups. It's based on what he thinks the lines are. Do you think that's barring any other injuries? Let's, everybody's healthy. Is that kind of what we should be expecting going into that first game uh, on the road? I think
3: so. I think that like we've seen... The Connor Scheifele Villardi line. We've seen on paper the Perfetti niederreiter Ehlers line. And in practice, um, you know, I follow Lowry with Appleton, seems likely. I wondered if Nemestikov would climb up to that third line, seems not so much. Kapari on that fourth line center with Nemestikov and then Morgan Barron. I think that that's the most likely lay of the land. And the defense pairings have been, you know, yes, at the beginning you had Morrissey with and you had. Various combinations of veterans and youth, and that's cool. But it was always coming back to this. There was no doubt about Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan Pionk, and, and Sandberg and Schmidt. To me, the only question mark is if Sandberg has showed so much that he might climb into that top four. But I don't, think that the, I don't think that that change has been made
1: yet. Last thing I wanted to say, we talked about guys in terms of call-ups, and that was for the bottom six let's say someone in the top six gets hurt obviously like you make someone in the bottom six gets hurt you think of a parker ford you think of a dominic toninato if someone in the top six gets hurt do you think the jets make a different sort of call up like is it somebody else that gets the call i mean the theory there is that you know you could
3: keep your bottom six together give them the hard matchups and then you call up somebody like you know nikita chibrikov or brad lambert or chas lucius and For me, I don't see it for this year's Winnipeg Jets. I just don't. And part of that is the versatility of forwards that Winnipeg has at the NHL level, where guys that are lining up on their third and fourth lines, like, you know, I just mentioned uh, Nemesnikov. Uh, There's also the thought that Kapari could play higher up at times. Um, and then I have follow, let's say he's the third line left wing, he's an easy guy to bump up as well. There's a lot of players in that depth forward role that have played higher up the lineup and can create a little bit of offense. Not star or top six offense, but certainly enough where you can imagine it. So I don't think they'll be quite as desperate as some teams would be, um, depending on a top six injury. And the other thing for me is I personally, my my view right now is that I need to see Lucius and Lambert tear the cover off the ball in the AHL before I believe in them as NHL players, and I believe that they will do that, and I believe that they will become NHL players. I'm still high on their long-term potential, but Lambert's just 19 years old, right? Like uh, you know, Lucius a year older than that, and um, and I think that they had, didn't show that they could dominate the AHL last year, and doing so, doing that much for me would be a step up. Nikita Chibrikov, though, um, on a diff in a different circumstance, I could see him uh, making that sort of leap, and it's just for him, for me. And I know that he he struggled, you know, with a bumper bruise as well. Like he he came out of the the lineup for a bit um, in in preseason, but there's just a professional quality to his game already, and I think that comes from the leagues that he's played in, where he's eating hits to make plays. Um, I'm I, I'm very keenly curious about what Chibrikov can do this year. And the reason is, you know, there's the game where there's a bit of a Brad Lambert highlight reel uh, a few games ago, uh, chance off the right wing, chance off the right wing, chance off the left wing, crisscross through the middle. And if you rewind the tape on every single one of those scoring chances, it was a Nikita Chibrikov play at the Winnipeg Jets blue line. And I think that those types of plays, you know, they, they, are what make me trust a player at a level um, because I think it's going to put his teammates in good situations. And I just don't think that Lambert and Lucius have that yet. They have the the dynamic stuff on the other end, Lambert especially so far.
0: And yeah, Chipperkov, I mean, the subtleness to his game that you mentioned there, plus the dynamic. I mean, we were at rookie camp. He had some incredible shots. Um, He's obviously a fantastic skater. And that translated to training camp. He was making plays against NHL defensemen um, and making some some wild plays that really impressed the fans. and that was that was good to see. And then you add in the subtleness that you mentioned, and you've you might have a future in each other there. Um, if you're I the think so. Bates. yeah, yeah. I, I believe
3: in him to be one.
0: Yeah. Marat, um, this has been amazing. Um, everyone, make sure you're following Marat on Twitter. I'm sure you already are. He's got the sharp the athletic hoodie on. Um, make sure you subscribe to the athletic. There you go. <laughs> looking good, looking good. Um, maybe just plug yourself say what what you're working on what's coming soon um, obviously the season's right around the corner but I'm sure you're you're busy
3: yeah I mean in and amongst the, the camp reports and sort of trying to give you a sense of what things look like on the ice uh, you know through camp and what my takeaways are who's rising who's falling with the coaching staff and all of that sort of stuff uh, I've been able to have some some really Some really, I almost want to call them, no, this is too much, but I want to call them powerful conversations with some of the Jets players. And um, there are a couple in particular, some well-known, some well-loved Jets that I've just been able to, um, been fortunate to have sit-downs with. And I feel like they've opened up and, and really, like, I've learned things about these guys that I didn't know. And in some cases, I wouldn't have even thought to guess at. And so, hopefully, I'll do that justice, and, and and I'll write some stories that people are really, really going to enjoy about uh, about your favorite Winnipeg Jets players.
0: Awesome! Thank you That's so awesome. much, Marat. This was great. Um, your second time on the podcast, we'd love to have you back. You're always welcome. Um, we'll Thank get you. you back on when the season starts. Right on, Connor. Right on, Elliot. Thank you. All right. See you. Peace.
2: You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.